steps into it, pass is caught! Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Vikings win it! the unbelievable podcast i am bj Rydell, back here with my guy drew mahold and today we are taking up look at your minnesota vikings and how they square up with the arizona cardinals who coming off of week one uh you know in the performance that they put on last week this might be an interesting matchup here so we're gonna do um, our best here to identify some uh, some key factors here some key players um some guys that are really you know in my mind uh probably going to cause some headaches this weekend for the Vikings um, and potentially how to stop them. What we would do, um, you know, as people that have no idea what we're talking about in that regard. Um, and then we'll do our picks for the week. So that's, that's basically the plan. We'll do a general preview. Like we typically do go through some key players, you know, spout some nonsense, you know, us. So um, sure. that's Love the it. game plan. Um, let's, let's hop right into it here. Um, so like I said, Arizona last week, incredibly, you know, this is the scariest the Cardinals one. have been in my lifetime. I think <laughs> I'm serious. I can't I think, think of a time that they've been scarier in my lifetime. Like they, I know they went to the Super Bowl that year with Kurt Warner, but they were like an eight and eight team or whatever. And they made that They were run. pretty dangerous offensively. Then I think that the difference here is the, ironically enough, the quarterback, because, you know, Kurt Warner is of course a hall of famer, but because of what Kyler Murray brings to the table in terms of being a dynamic two dimensional quarterback, yeah. um, I think that's really the, what makes them look that much scarier. Because, I mean, if you think about that team with Warner, that was Bolden. They had Larry Fitz. They Fitz. had Bolden. They had, yeah, they had they had weapons, 100%. I, I remember that. I remember Fitz had the all-time, like, playoff performance right. that year in those four games or whatever. It was like 150 yards a game or whatever. Right. Um, but in a way, that kind of mirrors – I don't know. I'm not trying to compare prime Fitz to Hopkins. I don't think that's fair. But Hopkins is – you know he's a stud too and uh so i the same type of ball game i think that's a fair comparison i mean it it, it, it is it can be i just think that that level that fits got to not, those playoffs was like you know prime right. megatron right. like right. on another level but black so people that have been listening to this and listening to this show know i've been high on the titans which is why i'm so scared of the cardinals now because right. i was i'm a big titans fan i've i've loved what they put together i think Tannehill's been underrated i think uh, they've had some very underrated skill pieces outside of Henry and to see them get completely wiped away at, on their home, f- home field yesterday uh, or last week was, was kind of nuts. And Kyler Murray looked like a video game. You know, when you like make a creative player and you turn them up to like 99 speed and agility all the time at quarterback, you just run around the backfield, juking people out. That's what he was doing to that defense and then throwing the ball 25 yards down the field accurately. So uh, I don't know. Uh, how this is going to go. I do not like the Vikings chances though, because they have not been good against mobile quarterbacks before. Right. So that's uh, an easy identifiable trait or discernible instance that we've had on a numerous occasions throughout the Zimmer era. Um, he struggles against mobile quarterbacks for one reason or another. Um, Kyler Murray is certainly that, uh, you know, again, I'm going to pat myself on the back again. I think I pointed to this being, you know, a potential breakout type season for Arizona. Uh and Kyler Murray's the face of all of that, right? Um, if you believe in Arizona being more than just a one-game wonder against a quality opponent, um, you probably also believe in Kyler Murray and his potential as a pocket passer and also his ability to get outside the pocket and throw on the run with you know, laser accuracy um, mm-hmm. downfield 30, 40 yards. Um, it's, a, it's a number of different skills, but it, what it comes down to is if you believe in Arizona, you believe in Kyler Murray. And you know, and this is a tough situation, especially with Anthony Barr potentially on the shelf once again, because in recent memory, what we've been able to say on this show and easily kind of like, you know, or more confidently than maybe other teams might have been able to say that we've got a guy that can spy the quarterback effectively in terms of athleticism, length, and just natural awareness. And that's been Anthony Barr in his absence, Eric Kendricks as well. 
The way that this team is built, though, in Arizona, with all of the pieces that they have in addition to Kyler Murray, makes it that much more difficult to put a guy like Eric Kendricks on Kyler Murray alone when you do not have Anthony Barr. So spying the quarterback is so much harder when you have, like you said, DeAndre Hopkins, who let's not put him on Fitz's level just yet, but he's certainly heading in that direction, right? You've got Christian Kirk, who's the potential breakout player, I feel like, every year, but last week certainly looked like a world beater. You've got A.J. Green, who's kind of fallen apart a little bit. I think that he's on his last limb, but he's certainly a guy that's going to take the defense away and force you to cover him. He's still good enough to catch the football and make plays in that regard. And then you've got Kyler Murray, you know, rolling through and basically orchestrating the entire thing. That's a dangerous thing where you basically have to match up one-on-one across the board yeah, so that was my because that was my so the the question that we're going to try to answer just by we're going to kind of like try to speak into existence some sort of a <laughs> plan here. But like, right. So my th- my first thought was what yours was like, OK, despite Eric Kendrick time. And the more I think about it, I still like that's what I want to do, because like even you have to, despite even despite all of the weapons that you just laid out and the different avenues that, you know, Murray has to distribute the football. I still think he would be less comfortable if there's just a spy like Kendrick, someone as athletic as Kendrick's right in front of him, staring at him every play. Then um, if we were to, you know, if the Vikings were to go out and double nuke or whatever the case might be. So if I'm the Vikings, I'm just taking my chances. I'm like, all right, every second and long, every third and medium to long, I'm spying Eric Kendrick's on Kyler Murray, no matter what. And then I'm other than that, I'm and I'm of course if I'm Zimmer, I'm uh putting together blitz packages, whatever the case might be to try and disguise things. But I, I that's the only solution I have, I think, because I don't see the Vikings pass rush being effective enough to get home where or at least collapse the pocket efficiently enough to where there's nothing no out for Murray. I think he'll get out and yeah, make plays. And so that's insane. that's why I think you spy Kendricks, you take your chances, you're gonna give up plays. You just are. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm was sort of the, the, you know, I guess, strategy that I'm kind of referring to here and creating in my mind, but there that's, you're going to give up those yards. You just have to trust your offense to, that sounds scary. Now you have to trust Vikings offense though, to kind of put up 30 plus points and win this game. I think that's the only chance they have. Okay. So a couple of things here that you, when you look at the, the full scope of the Arizona Cardinals offense, a couple of things of note here. First of all, their key weaknesses or places where they do not have strengths is probably a more fair you know, assessment here. Uh, the tight end position is Max Williams, former Golden Gopher. I'm sure everyone's aware of who he is. He has mm-hmm. not had a great professional career. He's not a difference maker, I would say. I think that's fair. I don't think I'm you know, you know, disregarding any level of talent there. I think he's probably replaceable. Probably replaceable. That's a good way to put it. Perfect. And then your your running back is Chase Edmonds. So those are your two probably weakest parts. I love, by part. the way, I, I love Chase Edmonds. I okay. think he was he's been underutilized the last few years. I think he's better than Kenyon Drake. Okay, um, and should have been getting. But that's I'm probably on an island there. So, <laughs> anyways, so if you point to those two guys as your greatest weaknesses, it does make it a little more acceptable to assign a linebacker to Kyler Murray because in theory, right, your linebackers are going to be the ones that would be in charge of covering a running back out of the backfield or a tight end that's sprinting downfield. So I think that I think you're right that in theory, you basically have to dedicate a player, whether that's Anthony Barr, if he plays or Eric Hendricks um, to Kyler Murray and just basically keeping him within the constraints of I don't want to say the pocket, but maybe a little bit over shifted to the pocket, right? Like keep them within striking distance of your defensive line. Because what you were saying earlier is I think they're going to get pressure based off of what I saw from Michael Pierce last week, based off of what I saw from Daniil Hunter. I think they're going to be able to collapse the edge on occasion. And I think they're going to be able to get pass rush up the middle. The problem is, is that once you flush the pocket, Murray can still escape and it's not going to be a negative play. It could be, you know, a throwaway. It could be a two or three yard gain, something of that nature. He turns negative seven, eight yard plays into, you know, net positives given the circumstances. That's his game. So if you could keep him within the constraints of the pocket, plus maybe one more lineman over in terms of width, right? You're going to give yourself a much better shot here because the biggest strengths that he has as a passer, in addition to just the raw talent of the, in being able to throw the ball accurately downfield, are his vision as a passer, being able to kind of go through his progressions while moving 
which is ridiculous, by the way, to be going through progressions while escaping the pocket. He does this as as well as anyone. And secondly, is throwing on the run once he's extended the play. Once he's got his guys like Hopkins, who are not just great players, they're also smart players who diagnose the situation and see he's scrambling out to his right. All right, I'm going to move over here. I know they're in cover too. I'm going to find that soft spot, dart downfield. That's what Arizona does as well as anyone in the NFL. So if you can keep Kyler Murray from extending the play to that five, six, seven second mark, and you keep him within kind of range of the pocket, you're going to have a much better chance here to slow down this offense and force them to be, you know, handing the football off, you know, establishing a running game where Chase Edmonds, you know, you said you like him as a player and I think there is talent there, but relative to what else they have yeah, on the I field, mean, I will take those carries. I don't, all day long. I would want him being my bell cow running back, but I, I like him as a pass catcher and a, and a kind of a, uh, safety check down option for a guy. I think he's very reliable in that sense. But anyway, point being, I, I kind of like, I think you want when it's a mobile quarterback, you want the guy to be as uncomfortable as possible. And what we've talked about in the past with Rogers um, in green Bay is it's not like, like these are like these types of quarterbacks. You, you rush the passer differently. Cause one of the things the knocks on Jared Allen for as dominant as he was in, in Minnesota for most of his tenure he was very aggressive going kind of almost north to south when he would rush the passer um, where he would get really, he'd start, he'd, his, he'd get his stance would be way out wide. And he'd go way kind of outside uh, to get to the quarterback and go very vertically. And a lot of times that would create avenues for the quarterback to escape. And so there's, there's that element where against Rogers, you simply can't do that. Um, and this is another guy with Murray that you have to be very careful about, you know, being too aggressive, going up the field when you rush the passer and suddenly there's a wide open lane there for him to extend that play. And then it makes it really difficult on your defensive backfield to cover DeAndre Hopkins for five seconds. You know, I mean, so that's why I think I would imagine Andre Patterson will um, institute, you know, some sort of a, a, a more disciplined approach this week that might not result in a lot of sack numbers. And I, frankly, if you're playing Kyler Maurice, you're probably not going to get a lot of sacks anyway, but Um, an approach where you kind of want him to just kind of almost sit in the pocket and almost become more fidgety in there and be a little bit more anxious because he has to stay in there because there's no escape route. And from there, I think that'll make things a little bit easier where he'll get a little bit rattled. I think that's the best play. Plus if you have that spy there, he can't go anywhere. And it's, it's, it's uh, putting a lot of pressure on your DBs, but I think that's the only route that you really have right now, just given how much firepower there is and how quickly a guy like Murray with his athleticism can change the game. Absolutely. And that's, that's another element here that we really haven't touched on a whole lot is just the fact that, you know, the, a lot of these players on this offense are the type of guys that can change the game in the blink of the eye, right? Uh, Murray is a quick strike player. Uh, that might mean a 40 yard rush that just these chunk yardage plays, right? I mean, you have to be very careful of this team going over the top and, after what Brashad Breland did last, uh, you know, last week, it is a little bit concerning who's going to be able to cover that other side. You know, we know that Patrick Peterson is going to be covering one side of the field. That's basically how the Vikings did it last week, right? Patrick Peterson was on one side. Brashad Breland was on the other. I believe it was Chris Boyd that came in and played the majority of the time when Breland was out. That's how the Vikings operated. So if you can, you know, feel comfortable with Patrick Peterson, I don't want to say shutting down one side of the field, but slow, like very much slowing, managing more than managing. I think he's got to be better than managing because you know that they're going to establish Peterson on one side. And unless they have him travel, which they didn't do last week, different situation, but we'll see if they keep him on one side, eventually Hopkins is going to move over to the other and they're going to try to get a different, you know, they're going to try to get a winning matchup. So ultimately it depends on what Zimmer wants to do. I think you have to have Peterson travel this week. I think it's a different situation where if you take revenge game too, I suppose. Yeah, it's an important <laughs> I game. I suppose he says. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, I, I don't guess... know if it's a wrench game for him per se, as a, I'm just playing my old, my former team happened to be, you know, <laughs> I don't it's, think it's, it's... Always, it's always kind of a revenge game, though. Like we point that out as a joke, but like, you know, like on a personal level, like he wants to win. Right. And he yeah. wants to be the best player on the defense. So I would have him travel in this situation because the other side of the field, if you just flip, you take your greatest defensive asset, at least with regard to coverage and you 
lock him down on Christian Kirk all day, I think that's not your best distribution of resources this week. Last week, there wasn't necessarily a key, like a true number one. So you could just put Peterson on one side of the field and just he'd take Higgins or he'd take, you know, Jamar Chase, whoever was there with him at the time. This is a different situation. So I think you have to have him travel, hope that he gets the best out of, you know, Hopkins maybe keep him without a touchdown under 75 yards, something like that. I think that puts you in a better situation to compete with this team because we know the Vikings can score 20 plus points. It's just, can you hold the Cardinals to under 30? That's my real question here. Right. And it, Peterson isn't that, that shutdown guy anymore to me. And he has I to hope be this week he does. I mean, that's a scary thought and you know, it's not like Fair. he can't be a good player. I just don't think he's put him on Hopkins for a game and don't worry about anything else. You know um, I still think you got to give him help. I would still, you know, have uh, almost bracketed coverage, whether it's Smith or, or Woods kind of over the top on that side of the field, um, you know, have that extra help over there for him. And, you know, then I think you at the rest of the line, I think you kind of leave those guys on an island. So Christian Kirk against maybe it's Breland, maybe it's Boyd, whoever else is out there, Mackenzie Alexander, those guys should be on an island against, you know, it's going to be AJ Green and, Christian Kirk, those guys, but, um, and there's some, there's some talent on that team. They got more too. Um, so yeah, there's Rondell Moore, Rondell Moore is electric too. So there's, I mean, there's a lot of firepower there. It makes me scared. Uh, I just think it starts with the quarterback. You got to first neutralize the quarterback. If you can make, try to get him off his game a little bit. And I, I think doing that is by, you know, being a little bit more disciplined with your pass rush spying him when it's appropriate, right? When you have those, you know, you have, you got to get eight yards or you got to, it's a second and long third down, spy him, make him uncomfortable. And then you, you're going to have to take your chances with these kind of one-on-one matchups that are created on the outside, whether that's in zone or whether that's in man, either way, it's, it's your guy against another guy in that scenario um, in those key spots. And it's, you're just gonna have to win enough of those to, to keep the Cardinals offense at bay. So ultimately, this kind of comes down to make Kyler Murray as much of a pocket passer, a true pocket passer. As yeah, he can. and that's it's not even like he's bad, a bad pocket passer. Not, it's just like that's, he's that's just so scary. Option. He's just so scary outside of the pocket, Absolutely. moving around with his feet. You just don't want him to extend plays. That's what this comes down to. Don't yeah. allow the Cardinals to extend offensive plays to that point where they're you know they're running wild. Um, and then you're going to give yourself a shot. That's really what this comes down to. I think the Vikings will be able to get enough of a pass rush, like I said, um, try to hold the key playmakers in place and you're going to have a chance um, offensively. You'd think, right. Um, yeah. You think that, that if you're able to hold this team to 24, 27 points, the Vikings offense should be able to get something done against this defense, which, which we'll take a look at here in a second. Um, I do want to point out real quick that while we were talking about defensive backs, this is probably a good time to, to note that Cam Dantzler is on the trading block apparently and was inquired about that. by the San Francisco 49ers. So there is something wrong there, guys. Like it's not just, it's not just me screaming and yelling. Like I, I think we're on to something like it's not just smoke. Now it, it's like the teams are kind of like, Hey, what's going on? Can we get this guy? So he's was inactive last Something week. Might, yeah. And this we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, in, by the way, but... too. Like you need yeah. Cameron Dantzler in this type of situation. Breland is banged up, also failed miserably in coverage last week against Chase. I don't like his odds against Kirk, who is you know, not the same level of talent, but same caliber, same, same style. He was effective last week. Certainly was. Um, dangerous situation. You'd love to have Dantzler out there. But okay, anyways, let's go to the defensive side of the ball for Arizona and how are Kirk Cousins and the Vikings going to get something done here? Um the obvious thing. <laughs> okay, so the obvious thing here, first and foremost, Chandler Jones, let's just point to the elephant in the room. Chandler Jones, of course, had five sacks on Taylor Lewan and the Tennessee Titans last week. Uh, a couple forced fumbles. Uh, he was an absolute world beater. You know, it was on the level of, you know, Von Miller in the postseason a couple of years ago with Peyton Manning. Uh, he absolutely destroyed Tennessee and gave them no chance to win that football game because of, you know, just the damage that he did to Taylor Lewan. It wasn't just the sacks, it was the pressures as well, right? So if that's a repeatable thing, if, 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 if that's a repeatable thing, the Vikings are going to lose this football game almost for sure. Now, mm-hmm. the easy solution, of course, is don't give up those numbers in terms of pressures. Don't give up those sack numbers. Uh, don't give up those you know significant turnovers. Um, the, the answer here is that there really isn't an answer to just straight up not do that again. Um, you just kind of hope that he comes back down to earth. Uh, there's no expectation that anyone is going to get five sacks every week. I don't think Chandler Jones is any different, but, even, even if he gets two, 
uh, he's going to be destroying the Vikings offense. So this is your number one key factor here, folks. Like it doesn't, you don't have to go much further than the defensive line versus the Vikings offensive line. Uh, if Chandler Jones does what he did last week, again, this week, keeping in mind, of course, he has not signed a contract extension. He is fighting for every dollar and cent at this moment. If he does that again, the Vikings will lose this football game. No doubt in my mind. So how do you neutralize this guy? What strategy do you take on? Because this is this is square one. Like if you don't stop so, him, it's over immediately. So first thing I think of, and it's something the Vikings had did hardly any of last week, play action, uh, get that involved. And I don't care if the run's effective or if it's not early on. This is, a, I think, a mistake too that kind of contributed to the Vikings last week. Um, play action is, is proven you know, if you look at the numbers, it's, it's, it's effective whether the run's working that day or not. It just is. It's instinct for linebackers to sync up a little bit when they see that run action. And the result is more openings. Um, plus, on top of that, move the pocket around. And by that, when you do play action, roll it out to the left, roll it out to the right. Remember how like absurdly good Kirk was throwing to his left? Was it two years ago um, when he had just some outrageously efficient numbers rolling to his left on play action? Um, what happened to that? Why is that? Has that suddenly gone away? Is as Kirk suddenly become bad at that? Um, so I think those are things and that's just that that doesn't really necessarily go for this game in particular. That's just a general rule of thumb. I think this offense can be so much better with more of that implemented. And now that'll get Kirk more comfortable. That'll get him out in space. That'll neutralize the pass rush. I'll get, it'll make it easier on your offensive lineman. Um, so that's the first thing I would do. And then in turn, that just in general, just that'll neutralize any elite pass rusher, like play action away from that side of the field, play action, um, even to that side of the field, it's going to make him a little bit more hesitant to be so aggressive rushing the passer. Then you, you, you get, then get in some screens and some draw plays and suddenly you're all, you, you know, you can go almost wherever you want to. So there's ways to do it. Um, I just think the Vikings need to, trust that these things will work get back to these things that have worked for Kirk and for this offensive line this week offensive line in the past and get back to those things I think that they got away from last week right so first of all play action um it's a simple answer right like I I think everyone's aware of what play action is and how the, the effect that it can have right but the effect that it can have on this specific team and what Arizona tries to do defensively extends beyond just Chandler Jones, right? Like it's not just about that extra second where Chandler Jones is thinking and not pass rushing. It's also that, you know, the step in the ground that a guy like, you know, Buda Baker has to take, right? A guy that moves all over the formation, Isaiah Simmons as well, a guy that mm-hmm. literally plays to a degree at, every level of the defense it's these extra it's these guys that are moved all around the formation that are so dangerous and when those guys have to take that extra step as well that extra second to think or that millisecond to kind of figure out all right which way am i going to attack what's my attack angle here which gap is going to open up um and do i have to even stop you know do i have to stop dalvin cook on this play all of those questions asked right that that's all important for slowing down this defense and what they try to do. They're going to try to confuse you with a lot of different looks. They're going to try to confuse you with a lot of different playmakers, right? It's not just Chandler Jones. He was the guy last week. We haven't even mentioned the fact that JJ Watt is on this team as well. Marcus Golden had established himself as an excellent pass rusher last year as well. There's a lot of different guys that are going to be put into blitz packages and roles where they're going to be kind of the key rusher in the, in the specific play here. But ultimately, what it comes down to is I think what you do here is you you try to stop Chandler Jones. And in doing so with your packages, you're in theory slowing down the rest of the defense, too. So when you when you hand off a Dalvin Cook on the first play on first and 10, when the Vikings start with the football, I'm going to be OK with that move. Establish that motion. Establish the fact that the Vikings are going to try to run the ball immediately. But get back into that mode like Drew was saying. Get that pass, that play action passing going. Don't do these long developing plays. I know a lot of you guys probably saw the seven-step drop that ended up in being, what, a three-yard catch by the Vikings last week? Unreal. Ridiculous. No seven-step drops this week. No long developing plays, at least early. Like, you're going to have to take shots deep. But early on, do not let Chandler Jones take advantage immediately. Three-step drops, quick hitters, get the ball out of your hands quickly, and hope to God that Dalvin Cook can get going early. Because if he can't do that, if you get into a situation where you become one-dimensional, where you have allowed Arizona to score a couple, couple touchdowns, Dalvin Cook isn't getting chunk, enough chunk yardage to merit giving him the football. Again, you're in a very tough position. You're putting yourself at the mercy of these pass rushers. And, of course, Chandler Jones, Chandler Jones, Chandler Jones, Chandler Jones. 
Rashad Hill, like if he, if that's the matchup all day, I don't love the Vikings odds in that situation. No. And I don't, I mean, that's everybody. Now I, I think it's to a degree we should talk about. I, I I've said, I've used this term before, but like law of averages and kind of regression and not likely that Chandler Jones has five sacks again. Um, and I'm sure if you look back at the film, there's probably a couple of those sacks that fell into his lap, right? But um, point being, he's he's still a, a force to be reckoned with, still the force to be reckoned with on this defense. And it's, you know, we should also mention, like, Brian O'Neill's a damn good tackle. Like, he's a very good pass protector. He's a top five pass protector um, at that right tackle spot in the NFL. He was a 97% win block or pass block win rate last week. I know there's only uh, three Ali, guys that did that, uh, right? Yeah, Ali Udo was uh, among the top 10, I believe, of guards last week as well in that number. So uh, there's, it's not like the Vikings are totally in shambles when it comes to pass protection. It's just, um, you know, this is another scary one. And um, it, you got to have, you got to execute that too. You just have to. And I think getting your quarterback into a rhythm early with some of that moving the pocket around in play action will really, really help. Absolutely. And keep in mind too that the interior defensive line for, Arizona Cardinals, right? Like the, the, the big nose tackle and the, you know, the force that they, the way that they try to operate in Vance Joseph's defense, that's not their strength, right? Interior pass rush is not going to be something that they're going to dominate at. I, I think that there's the potential for JJ Watt to potentially be potentially be a factor in that regard, but it's going to be exterior pass rush that for the most yeah. part from this team, right? And the Vikings weakness, at least on their offensive line, as it stands today is Garrett Bradbury and Ezra Cleveland probably. So Keep that in mind that ultimately what it's going to come down to is how consistent can Rashad Hill be operating within a scheme that's suiting the Vikings needs in this game specifically, right? The offensive attack plan has to help out these offensive linemen, right? Like you have to be, you can't be doing seven step drops is really what it comes down to is efficient plays, quick hitters. And then when you're going to take a shot, make sure that that shot isn't going to take too long to develop, right? No play action, deep passing on the fir- on the seventh play of this game because you're going to get smoked and the Vikings are going to be in trouble. So, yeah. all right. With, with all that being said now, um, as we move into our picks uh, for the week here, we'll start, of course, with this game. Uh, we said a lot. Um, I think both of us have, you know, suggested si- significant concerns about this game. And I think we've you know, essentially outright said that we're kind of leaning Cardinals in this one. Is that your final answer um, for the Vikings chances this week? Do they get stomped by the Cardinals? See, I think yes. And I, I it's unfortunate because I also think um, this is a – I think this is a must-win game. Um, and I think that because – and now maybe you can kind of give your take on that when it you know when you're making your pick. But I think it's a must-win game just because of the Vikings schedule to start things off. Um, I think things could be quickly derailed. You know, then you get, um, you know, Seattle and Cleveland after that, right, for on the schedule. And suddenly 0-4 looks extremely possible. So – I think this is the most winnable of the next three games. And I think you have to go do it. Otherwise it's going to get ugly. And so with that being said, I think it's a must win game to save kind of your season and your playoff hopes. And I don't think they get it done. I think Arizona's too got too much firepower. Uh, I think it's a lot to ask for what we kind of described for both sides of the, of the ball for the Vikings to get this win. So I got Arizona and it wouldn't surprise me if it's not particularly close, but do you think this is a must win game? And then your pick. So, Is it a must-win game mathematically? No. Well, no. Be- no. No. Because a lot can happen between now and – there's. remember, we do get an extra week this season. So there are some things that can happen even if the Vikings do lose this game. I don't think they're out because of what happened last week too. So I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no to it's being must-win. Fair win. enough. The NFC North looks like it's in shambles right now. <laughs> That's the only reason, though. That's the only reason. What you just said about the schedule, the upcoming schedule, right, that's super important here in this situation because it's not just losing to Arizona. It's having to go home and play Seattle. Then you have to stay at home and play Cleveland. So, I mean, I guess you are at home, but eh, your schedule does not get easier until you get Detroit and Carolina in the middle of October. So if you screw up here against Arizona and put yourself at 0-2, heading into a home stretch, thank goodness, but very tough opponents, opponents that I think Vegas will favor, even though they are playing on the road. Um, you're, in a, you're in a significant hole, um, even with what might happen again this week, um, being you know potentially in Green Bay, being the only NFC North team that wins. Um that's the only thing that keeps the Vikings alive is the fact that the rest of the NFC North is not doing its job either. So 
I'm going to pick Arizona. Uh, I think that the Vikings are going to lose this game. I think it's, I, I, I don't personally think it's going to be particularly close. And what I mean by that is I think it's probably 13 point, point differential. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Um, I think the Vikings will have a shot. And I think if some of these things bounce, the, you know, the right way, you know, it could be potentially closer, or, you know, even push the Vikings in a situation where they could win. But there were so many what ifs in our conversation today. There were so many yeah. things like, okay, if you can slow down Chandler Jones, if you can keep Kyler Murray in the pocket, if you can get the maximum amount of Patrick Peterson, all of these ifs are just, you know, I lean, lean in favor of the Cardinals there. And those are you know, key X factor matchups that are going to decide the outcome of this football game. So I can't pick the Vikings here. I have to pick the Cardinals. That being said, I think that Green Bay, we're going to get to this later, but I think that Green Bay is going to beat Detroit. I think Cincinnati is going to beat Chicago. So ultimately, you might only be one game back heading into next week with the potential to start over against Seattle. So is it the worst case scenario? Is it must win? I'm not going to go that far. But this is very important, and I don't think they're going to get it done. We're going to have to reassess that question next week as well, I think. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I just see this as the most winnable of the next three. So it I'm definitely like, is that. I mean, win this one. Zero and four. You're not. That's not going to be good enough. <laughs> yeah, zero and four. The Vikings did it last year. We saw how that happened, right? So uh, this is a. This is as I will say this. This is as needed of a early season game as the Vikings have had in recent memory. That's fair. I'll go that. That's how far I'll go. Sure. It's a very important win for the Vikings, and unfortunately, both Drew and I are not going to. And not, not not picking them here. So uh, hopefully they prove us wrong. Um, that's always the goal anyways, right? Um, all right. Rest of the picks this week now. Uh, last week, not very good. Seven and nine for both Drew and I. A lot of uh, things developed last week that we weren't expecting. You know, whether that was Philadelphia being a lot better. Um, the Saints, you know, of course, Steelers. Green Bay. Uh, Steelers over Buffalo, right? Um, you know, I had the sexy pick and taking Arizona over Tennessee and Drew took Miami over New England. So uh, some of those, but then of course you end the week with Baltimore um, losing to, right. to Vegas Raiders on that crazy ending. Um, and both of us went seven and nine. So we'll try to do better this week. So both of us are on Arizona for your home matchup against uh, the Vikings uh, starting in the NFC East here, a Thursday night football. That is the New York giants and Washington football. I know, I know who you're picking. Yeah, I am picking, I am picking Washington. Uh, yeah. I'm, yeah. Very confident I'm, roll, I'm rolling with Heineke too. I think he, I think they have the quarterback advantage in this game uh, because Danny Dines doesn't show a whole lot. So I'm going to go Washington. Taylor Heineke has been granted finally this opportunity that I, I, I suggested years ago that he would ultimately come to this point where he'd be a quote spot starter. Now he has a, an opportunity to go even further than that and not just prove me right, but prove me I don't know, like a genius. Is that far? Is yeah. That fair? Can I go? Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, and he starts with New York. So uh, you're right. I don't know about Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, of course, limited in touches right now. I'm going Washington. We're both going Washington. Um, football team gets a win coming off of a loss against this. The uh, I almost said San Chargers. Diego, the Los Angeles Chargers. There you go. Um, all right. Next one here is that Cincinnati against Chicago game that I mentioned earlier. Of course, we know Br Joe Burrow and uh, Joe Mixon. We're very familiar with the way that they played. Um, Sunday night football did not end well for Chicago. Of course, they came to another loss for the NFC North as the, the group as a division finished 0-4. Uh, Chicago had a little bit of life with David Montgomery, but they also did not throw the ball beyond 15 yards even once last week. That is why they will lose this game because <laughs> Joe Burrow will. He definitely <laughs> the last will. We I know checked. That. Last I checked, Andy Dalton is still starting. I haven't heard anything from Nagy on that change, so I'm giving. I'm taking the Bengals. Revenge game, by the way. Big revenge game here. We got to point Ooh, that out. Good point. Good point. <laughs> good point. That doesn't really help me at all because I'd still Andy Dalton. So give me the give me the Bengals. Uh, I'm going to take Cincinnati as well, but I think that this is the turning point game. I think this is the damage game, right? Where my, Matt Nagy's finally like, all right. Oh, please right, no. We, I want the I want I want the every single week the like the, the media hate all over the Bears so every single with, week. I think it's going to be this week. Um, I think either Justin Fields comes in late or next week is where we get the change. Because if you're not throwing the ball 15 yards downfield, really, like you're, that's yeah. your game plan. Uh, and Montgomery's playing well, by the way, playing well. Alan that first drive last week was so bears. It was perfect. Yeah. Montgomery long run sets him up in the red zone. Immediately Dalton throws a pick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So both of us are in on Cincinnati over the bears. Um, next one here, Houston at Cleveland, fairly easy pick. I mean, we don't have to bet against the spread here. Yeah. So um, I think we're this both is, on Cleveland. I think it's funny that, you know, has it ever, how many times have you had a team, uh, Owen one versus one and Owen 
the own one team is a 13 point favorite. Not often. Give me the Browns though. Yeah. I'll take the Browns as well. Uh, they obviously need this one. If, if, if Houston somehow gets this win, by the way, Cleveland burns, it's going to be crazy. So yeah. Jadevian Clowney revenge game. Just thinking of all the revenge games out there. <laughs> I love that. Um, that should be a segment, just revenge games. Um, <laughs> I'm trying. I'm, I'm, try, I'm going to be trying to think of one for every game here. We'll see if I can get. <laughs> All right, one. the next one on the docket here is the Los Angeles Rams head to Indianapolis to face Carson Wentz. Um, of course, Indianapolis is coming off of a loss. Matthew Stafford coming off of that impressive debut. Um, you know, you have to. I think you have to lean the Rams, given what they showed offensively yeah. and defensively last week. And you know, Indianapolis. I know we were were. We give them a lot of credit for their roster building, but have they won that many games lately? Like, uh, can we even be confident picking Indianapolis against? I mean, comp- they went no. they went to the playoffs last year, but I, I still take the Rams here, and I I still don't believe in Carson Wentz. Um, outside of 2017, he's been very mediocre. So, yeah, I'm going to take the Rams here too. This is a fairly easy one for me, and I guess my point here is is that I don't think that the Colts in recent memory have lived up to the pedigree that I think that we've kind of given them credit for. Um, that's my point here. So I'm going to take the Rams. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, next one here, Buffalo against Miami. Uh, Miami is not just a punch, you know, uh, you know, an easy walkover team anymore. Of course, they won last week behind Tua, Tava, Tua Tagovailoa um, over Mac go. Jones in the Alabama Bowl, uh, 17-16. Uh, Buffalo coming off of that horrid loss to Pittsburgh in which, you know, I think they had an opportunity to win that football game and they threw it. They blew it a couple of different ways. The defense and TJ Watt was just too much for them. They're going to be looking for blood. This is also a divisional matchup, right? So that much more important. Does Buffalo get it done this week to move to back to 500? Yes. Uh, give me the bills. I think there's no way that offense lays two eggs in a row. Right now. That's the only reason I'm going Buffalo here. Like so convincingly is because I just don't like the immediate kind of overreaction was like that. Josh Allen uh, last season was a fluke or something or another. It's really hard to fluke to 4,300 yards and what 40 plus touchdowns. That just doesn't really happen. So um, they're not going to do that twice in a row. You're right. Uh, I think Stefan Diggs gets going as well. Uh, I'll, I'm going to take uh, Buffalo here pretty confidently. Uh, next one here is another AFC divisional divisional matchup. Uh, that's New England. Mac Jones gets a second chance to get his first win against Zach Wilson's Jets. Uh, so one rookie quarterback is going to get on the board this week for sure. Um, is it going to be Zach Wilson or is it going to be Mac Jones? Well, one rookie quarterback is playing against Bill Belichick. So uh, give me the Patriots because of that. Yeah, I'm going to take the Patriots for the same reason. Uh, you know, I think that Bel- Bill Belichick is ultimately going to be the difference in all of these games where it's kind of close, right? Like you've got Dante Hightower back. You've got some nice pieces defensively. New England is a quality football team if they get quality play from Mac Jones. And I think that there's an argument that he's been the most consistent of the three quarterbacks through four quarters of play. Like in terms of the results that he's giving you on a, on a play-to-play basis, yeah. I'm more confident in Mac Jones than I am in the, you know, in the other guys at this point in time. Uh, he's less erratic or he's not as turnover heavy or what have you. Uh, so I'm going to take, I'm going to take Mac Jones to be the first of the group um, to get a victory here. I think um, they lead. Uh, he takes the victory here over the jets on the road. Um, next one here, San Francisco against Philadelphia. Now last week, I think this would have been a laugher um, if we were picking this game, we would have confidently said San Francisco and move forward. Jalen hurts, man. My goodness. Uh, good. About the, good. Good. Devontae Smith gets his first touchdown in his first game, as well as Jalen Waddell and Jamar Chase. I think all those rookie number ones got touchdowns last week. Pretty crazy. Uh, But we're focused here on Philadelphia. A lot better offensively than I think a lot of us gave gave them credit for. Um, Nick Sirianni, not nearly as much of a joke as I think a lot of us thought he might be. Uh, But they're still playing San Francisco. Now, they are down Raheem Mostert. Um, Elijah Mitchell, not a joke, though, either. Um, Who gets it done in this one? Uh, are we going to see Trey Lance some more? Uh, does Jimmy G so, get it done? What happens here? I'm going to go against the green and take Philly. Um, I think I, I believe in Jalen Hurts quite a bit, actually. Um, I'm seeing I, it's it's he's got the leadership quality to him, I think. And it seems like his team really wants to play for him. And he's when he, when it's time to make a big play, and he's got to escape the pocket. He does so, but it's so like in a calm manner that it. I don't know. I just love watching it. So uh, I'll take Philly. I, I, I know that's probably the underdog pick, uh, but I, I'm going to do it anyway. This is a banner opportunity for Jalen Hurts. 
um, if you think about it, right? A, a key NFC opponent, right? Um, if it comes down to wild cards later on, keeping in mind, of course, that the NFC West is extremely competitive and a Philadelphia, for whatever reason, yeah. is not able to overcome Washington or New York or it's not New York, Dallas, I suppose, um, in their own division, this matchup could matter come week 17. Uh, and this is an opportunity for Jalen Hurts to really say, hey, I'm not just, you know, one hit wonder. I'm doing this against competitive mm-hmm. teams. Um, I'm going to pick against them. Um, I love the opportunity, though. I do like Jalen Hurst, especially as a character, right? Like, he deserves this type of victory. Like, I, he works so hard for everything that he's earned. I really like the personal. Uh, it's just – it's a tough pick for me. I think Kyle Shanahan's able to dissect this defense enough. Um, San Francisco continues to roll. I think they're back to closer to what they were two years ago than what they were, you know, last year. So, um, next one here. Las Vegas and Pittsburgh. Now, these are two teams that are coming over, coming off of what I would definitely consider to be a upset victories. I don't think anyone thought Vegas was going to win, and I don't think most people thought Pittsburgh was going to beat Buffalo. Uh, now they square off head-to-head here. Key AFC matchup in week two. Uh, Roethlisberger, interesting. I don't, I don't really think he's particularly great. Najee Harris, not the best debut. Definitely not a rookie of the year caliber debut, I'll say. But defensively, my goodness, T.J. Watt, what they're doing, you know, in the yeah. defensive backfield, extremely dangerous defensively. Uh, they're going to give, you know, they're going to give Las Vegas a lot to handle. Uh, but Derek Carr, man, he's I'm buying Derek awesome. Carr. I'm Ooh. buying Derek Carr. I'm buying the Raiders. I'm picking them over the Steelers. I also still don't believe in the Steelers as a as a complete unit. Obviously, I believe in that defense, but I don't think the offense is good enough. So, I think the Raiders will have put up just enough points to win. So, to me. This comes down to one question, and it's which team do you believe in more? Because both of these teams have very glaring questions, right? They were upset wins last week for a reason. Roethlisberger, I don't know. Derek Carr, I don't know. Like, these are glaring questions at the most important position in football for both of these teams. Things that I do know is that Pittsburgh has the pedigree. They have the long history of excellence. They have Mike Tomlin, who I still believe is an excellent coach, even if he hasn't been, you know, Super Bowl champion and quite some time. I got now. John Gruden, man, in, in Las Vegas. <laughs> I suppose. But my point is that <laughs> I know my point ultimately comes down to the fact that Pittsburgh has the pedigree where Vegas does not. And I'm going to take the defense to get into Derek Carr's head because I don't think he's great. I think he's very good. I just don't think he's great. So I'm going to take Pittsburgh and we're going to split again here. All right. Next one. This one I think we'll agree on, though. Um, New Orleans coming off of actually another upset victory um, over Green Bay, or at least a victory that I don't think most of us were supposing would happen, um, given all the you know things that Aaron Rodgers said this offseason and the expectations coming into this year. Um, New Orleans gets that win, and now they square off against Carolina and Matt Rule. So uh, an inter- interesting situation with Sam Darnold going to be in Carolina. Uh, they were competitive last week. I don't want to say, you know, formidable by any means new orleans certainly looked a lot better in all phases but um anything can happen in the in an interdivisional matchup um nfc south matchup here um who you got yep. in this one the saints uh they look like a much better team right now and if Jameis is actually good then i might be very wrong about the Saints. Yeah, this is uh this is a situation where it comes down to Jameis, right? Uh, he threw five touchdowns last week, extremely efficient five touchdowns, yeah. by the way. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen again. Same thing, same thing with Ch- Chandler Jones. I mean, it's kind of a rule of five. It's not going to happen twice in a row, probably. Uh, but I don't think that you know, I don't think Carolina is going to be able to get enough again done against this Saints defense, which you know, Marshawn Lattimore's looked very good. They're definitely getting a pass rush. Uh, I'm going to take New Orleans here as well, pretty confidently. Uh, Teddy. Coming off of a victory last week, hard-earned victory. Um, he's establishing himself as a leader. I know. Sure we don't got to talk about this one. Denver They're playing Jackson. the Jags. No. Well, with Trevor Lawrence, that's insulting to the Teddy Bridgewater. No. Are we? I mean, I'm, I'm gonna go Denver. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good. I was gonna say, are you really gonna keep going? <laughs> the reason, the only reason, is that now they have credibility with Trevor Lawrence, and no, know, they do. I, don't... And I, I get it. it. It's. I'm just. I'm just. Yeah. I'm. I'm messing with you. I, it's fair because. I just think I think Lawrence is going to put up a bunch of yards this year because they're going to be in it's going to be garbage time mode all year for Jacksonville. Kind of like when it was against Denver, though. I think Denver's defense is this is probably like this is the this is the worst nightmare for Trevor Lawrence. The creativity on this defense. Yeah. Um, I think I'm just saying, be in terms of garbage time yards, the whole season it's going to be like was it yeah, yeah, 2015 when Bortles like led the league in touchdown passes because of that exact reason. So, yeah. but yeah, I think the Broncos win this one pretty easily. 
All right, Denver for both of us. Moving on to the next one here. Atlanta against Tampa Bay. It's interdivision. Uh, yeah. I don't think there's a whole lot to say on this one either. We're both Tampa. Tampa. Rolling with Tampa. All right, on to the last grouping here. Just a few left here. Uh, Dallas and the Chargers. This one should be competitive. Dallas looked a lot better than I think a lot of us thought um, mm-hmm. in their opening night matchup. And the Chargers, they get it done in crunch time. They did not fall on their faces. How about that, right? And they. I love the... Uh... Yeah, that's kind of how it is for both teams, right? Both teams have been the last few years, few well, decade really have been great at finding ways to lose, kind of like the the, the Vikings. But uh, I'm going to go with the Chargers. I think they're the better team overall. I still just and I don't believe in Mike McCarthy, so that's kind of the main reason. Although I do think there'll be a lot of points scored in this game. So I agree that Dallas's offense was great last week. Right. Um, we did just see the news today that Demarcus Lawrence is out indefinitely with an injury. So that hurts. Um, I'm a believer in Justin Herbert and I like Justin Herbert. So I'm going to go with the chargers here. Um, I just don't think that Dallas has enough defensively without Lawrence to stop this offense mm-hmm. enough. Um, so I'm going to go chargers. All right. Tennessee needs a rebound. They're heading to Seattle, which at least as when we were growing up or getting older, I should, should say uh, was one of the hardest places to play in the NFL. Um, not where you want to head coming off of an upset loss or a, yeah, an upset loss. That's, I can, I can say that. Right. Yeah. Um, Russell Wilson looked very good last week. My goodness. Tyler Lockett, a couple of amazing plays from him. DK Metcalf doing his thing. looks like Chris Carson is going to be continuing to be a bowling ball. Tennessee old school offense. Derek Henry did not look good last week. Julio Jones got yelled at by his coach. Uh, I, think, I mean, Seattle might score quiet. 50. Seattle like, might score 50 in this game. Uh, Cause I, uh, this offense Super efficient last week. Titans defense is not good. So I think Seattle puts up at least 40 and wins this game. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to go so far as 40. Uh, I love that pick, though. That's bold. Um, but I I'm do take, I'm gonna, I'll bet that team total over 100%. Yeah. It, it, what sucks is that every time that that happens, right, we don't get the full dosage of Derrick Henry and his greatness. Um, yeah. And this is honestly. Which I sucks because I do have him in a league. And I, I felt that last week when they were trailing by, you know, 15 plus the whole time. You want to know the reason why Derrick Henry won't get the triple crown of 2,000 yards? This is the reason right here, is that there are going to be teams that are going to run up the score so much that he just – you can't yep. use them. So uh, I think Seattle does that this week as well. Um, I, I would probably say that this is you know, a confident win for Seattle, maybe two scores. Yep. Um, all right, last couple here. Uh, Kansas City against Baltimore. Again, another situation. Baltimore upset last week. You definitely do not want to be facing Patrick Mahomes, but you do get to play at home. Uh, does that give them any type of a chance? I know that we always confidently pick the Chiefs here, but Cleveland last week came very close. Can Baltimore mm. get over that hump? No, well, not against the Chiefs. The <laughs> Chiefs are—I'm not picking the Chiefs every week. Um, and, and yeah, I, I will just pick them every week until something crazy happens. Well, something crazy almost happened last week, but it didn't happen. I think it's yeah. most important here. Um, I'm going to take Kansas City as well. I don't think this means that Baltimore is out of it, though, by the way. Like, this is not a situation for them where they need to win this game or it's all over. Um, but this one, you know, this would be a nice one to have for sure coming off of that big loss last week, that heartbreaking one against Vegas. Um, last one here, we round out with the NFC North on Monday night. Like I said earlier, Detroit, they go to Lambeau Field. They will get all the wrath of Aaron Rodgers. I think generally we probably wouldn't talk about this one and kind of just go full throttle on Green Bay. But given what happened last week, given what Detroit showed in terms of their ability to show points, Green Bay's ability to not yeah, score I'm, any I'm, points. I'm certainly more intrigued in this game than I was prior to last Sunday. I, like I, would, I mean, Packers are still winning. That's still my pick. But it's like I'm not completely dismissing it. And I kind of want to see – because like last year, like I said, the Packers had that game at, at Tampa last year where they just same, – same thing. They barely showed up. And the rest of the year they were dominant. So – I want to know, okay, is this team going to be dominant again and win by 14-plus points in this game? Or is there something there to kind of the – maybe it's the locker room chemistry with the whole Rodgers thing, or maybe it's him him just kind of going, you know, getting to that point in his career where he's a little bit a step behind. I don't know what it is, but I'll be paying attention to that part. But I will take the Packers. Yeah, I'm going to take Green Bay as well. The only reason why I, I, I you know, I asked the question or, is just because Green Bay last week didn't score a touchdown. And I just wanted to make sure that we highlighted that once again. On the yes, show. fair um, enough. Oh, absolutely. We, <laughs> I love that. They were not good at all last week. And because the Vikings also lost, we didn't have the opportunity to truly gloat. And so I just wanted to point out one more time, Green Bay didn't even score a touchdown last week. So we have to have this conversation, but ultimately, yeah, we're both going Green Bay. They beat Detroit and that rounds out the week. So hopefully those picks 
are better than our seven and nine picks of last week and went back over 500. Uh, any final thoughts, final bold predictions, uh, general ideas, things that you've been thinking about, anything that we missed before we close out the show here? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, other than, yeah, I just think this is, this is the must win game for the Vikings this season. So after, I mean, I will, I will throw my towel in for the season if they lose this game. Interesting point. Uh, I don't have anything super fun. I was trying to think of like something that really impressed me last week or something that really stood out. The first thing that came to my mind was Debo, Debo Samuel. My goodness, I did not expect yeah. him to be as good as a catching wide receiver as he was last week specifically. And of course, he's also top three in yardage in the NFL after last week. So he looked a lot more dangerous than I thought he was going to be. I think I was on the Brandon Ayuk train and it seems like he's yeah, what happened to him. Dog- He's in the doghouse, and it seems like Debo Samuel's going to be the guy. I mean, 150-plus yards, I don't care who it's against. Um, that's you know that's a hell of a debut. Maybe something – this is a major turning point for him, and if you have him in fantasy. Yeah. Oh, one more thing to watch, too, is K.J. Osborne fulfilling that number three role again. I'm very curious about that because he was, he was pretty darn good against Cincinnati. If he gets – how many targets does he need to get this week for us to very confidently call I mean, him? like seven. I mean, seven. something like that. He nine last week. Yeah, so. seven. Fair enough. All right. I mean, so if, he, if, he, if, he's, if he's top, if he's the third most targeted receiver in the game, <laughs> that's kind I of, guess, yeah, it's kind of a fair point. Yeah. It's more about percentage here than it is about the actual volume <laughs> stat. <laughs> Weird how that works out. We've only been talking about that for, for what, five years. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right, cool. So high target share for KJ Osborne this week. We're, we're betting on it. We'll see what happens with D-Day Westbrook as well. Um, until then, Make sure to check out the rest of the Climbing the Pocket podcast network. Um, everyone's, you know, I think there's multiple podcasts that go up, and then there's also live shows Monday through Friday. Uh, so make sure to check that out, see what the, the other guys on the team are doing there. Uh, Daily Norseman, of course, get their, you know, the content, written content, as well as our, you know, our podcast network that shows up on there. Drop us a comment. We love reading that stuff, positive, negative, whatever. It's always hilarious for me. I have a good time with it. So iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever else you listen to your podcast. You can also find us on YouTube as well if you prefer to watch the show instead of listen to it so with all that said uh, hopefully hopefully the vikings can uh, prove us wrong here and get something done against arizona this week and get back to 500 but if not we'll be here to talk about it and we can cry together so thanks for listening folks and we'll catch you next week